Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is, surprisingly, The Custard TV's final show of the year, the show of the year, the one I enjoy doing, where we just look back at the shows we love. We don't need to watch anything. We just look back at the 10 shows Matt and I have really enjoyed this year. And I couldn't do this without Matt because... I need his list as well. So Matt's here in the northern area. How are you? Genuinely haven't asked you how your Christmas was. So how was your Christmas? Yes, it was all right. Quite quiet the Christmas day. And then on Boxing Day, I went to see uh, my family, my two nieces. Uh, So yeah, no, it's been all right. Um, I've got a Fitbit. I've got some walking shoes. How about you? What did you get? No, neither of them. (laughs) No. Although I imagine that you'll you'll do well on the old Fitbit. Have you have you started it up already? I have done today eight thousand three hundred and forty four steps. Wow. wow, wow! And how many? Do you know how many calories you've burned off? Don't worry if it's if it's tricky. Not I mean, on here. Not on. But I can tell. I can tell you on the app. app. Yeah, on the app. Just yeah. bear with me. One I'm not. Time. Well, people will be bothered. I'm not bothered at this point. But people you asked. Will be. <laughs> I know. This is why you ask a question then instantly regret it. 1,710 mm. calories yeah. and 4.45 miles. So you can have a digestive with dinner tonight if you want one, Thank can't you. you? Thank you, sir. Well, I, I imagine that you'll ace that. Because I don't imagine... I mean, I know you're sitting for the podcast, but I imagine you're quite... Phonetic. I, mean, I imagine you're it's moving the worst about time all of the, the time. Year to get a Fitbit because it is that time of year where you are sitting down in front of the telly, munching on the Quality Street as we were last night while watching Detectorists. You know, yeah. lots lots of beige stuff with cheese has been eaten. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. We're here to talk about our top 10 shows of the year. How easy did you find it to compile this year? So as you know, I've had a massive homework list. Um, mm. Up to today, I have watched 45 whole series from this year. Wow. Um, how many have you done? Because you've been keeping a track as well. Um, so you watched 45, yeah, 42. So you're ahead of me. Oh, okay. You're um, so I had like a list almost complete. And then I watched something that sort of changed so i had to rejig things 
I basically had four shows that I wanted between 10 and 8, so one of those had to go. Mm-hmm. Between sort of 7 and 4, they're sort of interchangeable, and then my top three are pretty sort of secure, if that makes sense, but that's sort of where I am. I think I was about the same last year. I don't know. How about you? I found it easy to compile. When I've been looking at other people's lists, Guardian lists and... Well, every, everybody, and, and we, you had the contributors send their list in, which we'll talk about as well. This year strikes me, and we said this before, but I don't know whether we said it on a podcast, that there hasn't been this sort of big gravitational pull, everybody must see it, or everybody has seen it show. So everybody's list across the board, critics, non-critics, there's a different show atop most people's list. And I think that speaks to, A, how many options there are, and B... How many great shows there were. Do you feel like this was a good year for TV? Because this has I've been ridiculously good year for TV. I think maybe got a lot of stuff that was held back by the pandemic, maybe, mm, you know. Maybe. Um, it's just, I think because I've basically watched most things this year for the podcast, we covered everything, all the big shows that have been on this year. So I think that's why I had quite a lot to go back to. But yeah, just generally, the quality seems to have been really, really good. And um, I think that's why we've had the lists have been so varied. What we should say, starting off, if you've never listened to our best of the year show before, I think a few years ago we started doing this, is asking everyone who uh, either writes for the site or has been on the podcast or both to um, send us their top 10 lists then I do some maths because Luke can't add up. The show that the, that person has at number one will get 10 points, uh, you know, second gets nine and so on and so forth. It gets combined into a mega list. Myself and Luke each do a top 10. And then at the end of this show, we will combine the contributors and our list. So we might have to have a little bit of a pause while I do some maths to do like the ultimate show of the year. I will also say to Luke that my list this year is very subjective it is shows that made me sort of feel something in some way that provoked an emotional... As it, sh- as it should be. It's a list of my favourite shows rather than maybe objectively the best shows of the year, if that makes well, sense. Well, in that case, don't even bother. OK, who wants to start with their number 10 then? Shall I start? Because that leads very nicely into what okay. I've got at number 10. Go on then. I feel like I have to apologise to you. You do? Because it's severance. Hello, my name is Mark S, and I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. I give consent to sever my memories between my work life and my personal life. I acknowledge that once the procedure is complete, I will be unable to access my personal memories whilst on the severed floor. Say gratitude. Nor will I retain work memories. Hey. Sorry. When I return home at the end of the day. I make these statements freely. Good morning. Hi, Mr. Milchek. Mark, could I have a word? Petey is no longer with this company. I'm sorry, Mark. You guys were one of my favorite office friendships. What happened? We'd love to tell you, but unfortunately, non-disclosure policy forbids. I confer upon you the advanced role of department chief. Congratulations. A handshake is available upon request. Do I know you? My name is Petey. I'm from work. So 
We're friends. I'm your best friend. Nothing is what they say. I used to think it would take a monster to put someone in a place like that office. Especially if the person was himself. If you want to know what's going on down there, you'll find the beginning of a very long answer. What's happening? What is it we actually do here? It's important your eyes be kind. Do you know how to make your eyes kind? Because I watched this weekly, Apple dubbed it out weekly. Mm. It was a, can't wait for what happens next, let's sort of unwrap what we saw seven days ago, what's going to happen this one. And I do feel that you lose that on the, the presumably the binge model that you were forced to watch well, it in. To say that, I have done that with every one of these things in this list. In some okay, form or fair fashion. enough. I think with the exception of one or two, maybe, I've okay, either been enough. a binge or more thingy than that, like I've watched a couple for the podcast and then got back to it. In terms of severance, I did watch the first two and didn't have that need to go back to it. Those first two episodes... That well, we in that case, podcast. I'm happy for you to have it on the list then. As you say, a load of other shows could have been there, so yeah. I'm quite happy that it's represented. So in the positives for me, I mean, incredibly inventive show... I mean, the music's fantastic. The opening titles are fantastic. I felt it dipped a bit in the middle. I don't know if that's the same. You felt that as well, watching it weekly. Once it, it goes into the lore about Lumen Industries and stuff like that, it got bogged down a bit for me. Plus the stuff with Mark's sister having the baby. And I know that played into a sort of a, the B storyline about Severance maybe coming a bigger thing in the in the wide world um but i think then it picked up towards the end and the whole sequence of them becoming unsevered briefly and zach cherry as dylan was very oh, good in those yeah. when he finds out he's got a son and then they get him to be the one who gets them out of themselves and and undoes that process and uh what i can't remember what it was called now the homework protocol or something like that yeah it got me towards the end when they came out of it, but I, I, I don't think I had that connection to these characters that I did with the rest of the shows on this list. It's here because the imaginative nature of it. I think the episodes that I didn't like as much were the ones that Ben Stiller didn't direct looking at it. There's like three in the middle that he didn't direct, but he directed the rest of the series. You know, I, Adam Scott, brilliant. I thought Britt Lauer, who who played oh. Helly. I loved the the reveal of who Helly actually was. I think maybe we should maybe sort of go away from spoilers a bit because there's quite a yeah. few shows yeah, that yeah. we could spoil. You know, it didn't have that impact on me that it has had on a lot of other people. Uh, but I will look forward to seeing what happens in season two. I'm assuming you've got this much higher on your list. So yes, you'll be hearing about it later. The cast for series two, they've got Gwendolyn Christie, which I can't say apparently, Gwendolyn Christie, Merritt Weaver, Alia Shawcat, and Andre from Trapped. Just feed that directly into my veins. Number 10 for you, sir. I just adored it. I think I might have cried at it. I think about it a lot, and it's somebody somewhere. 
One time I drove off the road during this crazy blizzard. You don't even want to know the things I had to do to get through. What, did you um, take yourself a little cup? Fill up that cup hmm. with some wee-wee? I gotta drink my wee-wee. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I gotta drink, 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 drink my wee-wee. Oh, no. I got to drink it, drink it, drink it. I drink it, my wee wee, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's one of those little gems of a show. It was just so emotionally raw, felt so effortlessly real and genuine and down to earth. And I really cared about the characters here. When Bridget Everett's character sings in the... In the club, she does that Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush duet mm. of Don't Give Up. And it's just so... It's one of the most genuinely lovely things I've seen on TV. And it's about finding your place to belong in a world that you don't quite know where you fit anymore. I thought the family dynamics were very real. It's like someone just sat a camera down in this world and filmed it. it at points, it didn't feel like a written comedy or drama it felt too too real for that i just thought it was one of those little gems that not enough people were talking about the brilliance of and i i really look forward to more and that's on sky atlantic and now it's called somebody somewhere it's bridget everett it's just a lovely little show and there aren't enough of those around sorry to be that guy but was it not sky comedy yeah it was and yeah you're right to be that guy because you know who else would be that guy this guy so yeah, I I was wrong to yeah, but also it was one of those weird things that is a comedy, uh, presumably because of its runtime and no other reason because it it ne- I, what I remember about it isn't the laughs. I remember the emotional connection that I had with it and how genuinely heartwarming I found it. I liked it. I found it very sincere, very heartfelt. Mm. That relationship between. Joel and what's Bridget Everett's character called? Sorry, I don't. Isn't that Sam? Alpha? Sam, Sam, of course, yeah. Sam and Joel um, was mm. just brilliant, and he his mm. performance as well was terrific. And even the, the the dynamic between the two sisters, and there was the niece in there who was, mm. you know, I just like that sort of small town mentality where everybody's trying to escape, but also feels a sense of belonging. Yeah, I thought it was a lovely little show. Going to our contributors list, so with this, what I've done, there, there was a tie break for number 10. Any tie breaks that, that there are, what I do is how many lists they feature on, and then have they been given any sort of top level nominations? So has there been anyone's number one? So mm-hmm. it's coming in at number 10 with 24 points, uh, features on four lists, and including number one, one number one, is the dropout. We'll be talking about that later on, Luke. No, it would have been in my honourable mentions. Okay. If, if I had. So do you want to honourably mention it now as it's come up? Yeah. I tell you what, this is the year where even I went off true crime dramas. There were just too many of them and it was getting harder and harder to tell which ones were worth your time and which ones weren't. And particularly ones about um, big business. And, and we had, we crashed and we had super pumped and we had all these sort of unremarkable inventing Anna Anna, yeah all these sort of unremarkable stranger than fiction stories that just didn't resonate didn't connect with me the dropout was entirely different 
Um, Amanda Seyfried just gives this incredible performance as as uh, as this Elizabeth character who is just starts off with all the best intentions but ends up completely ruthless and reprehensible and completely lost in her own grandeur and her own her own belief in her abilities which aren't really there. And I just found the whole thing really, really interesting. It's one of those stories, like the best of these, that just gets more and more bonkers and you can't believe that this happened to people in real life. Stephen Fry's in there. He does one of, if not the best performance I've ever seen from him as this as this scientist who is taken under Elizabeth's wing and is thrown in to develop this drug that isn't ready and... It, she puts his reputation on the line and that has awful consequences for him. It, it's just really, really compelling watch and I understand that it came with a deluge of all these other ones and it may have sunk without a trace within all these other ones. But I would urge anyone, if they were remotely interested in the synopsis of what the dropout is, which is this young girl who thinks of an idea to revolutionise uh, medical testing and blood testing and then doesn't come up with the goods but is already swept away by belief in her company and people's putting their money in and things like that it is really compelling with some great central performances and is really one of the shows of the year just missed out would have been my number 10 had somebody somewhere not got me in the strings how long was neil armstrong actually on the moon when did europe start speaking english did marco polo really go to china Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. In the strings, I like that. That doesn't get used enough. No, I might use it more now. Uh, now, my number nine, I suppose with a lot of these I did go back to, but this really sort of got me, got me in the in the strings. There you oh, go. don't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, mainly um, because of like the secondary storyline in this. It's uh, Big Boys from Channel 4. I've realised that over the past few months, I don't really like Corinne. That's fine. And I don't like many people like Corinne. Oh. You're not a racist, are you? No. I like boys. I like, like, men. And I ain't said anything... ..cos... ..I'm worried I... ..I let down Dad. I don't want to let down Dad. And I don't want to let down you. Written by Jack Rook, it's based on his own experiences of um, <coughs> going to uni as a closeted gay man and eventually coming out, losing his father at a young age. The story that got me more was of Danny, who's his older friend, who is very supportive of, you know, having a, a gay best friend, but is also really struggling with depression. 
because of the medication he's on, he struggles to perform sexually. He goes off his medication because of this, really struggles with his uni work. And that actually culminates in a really, really emotional scene in the last episode. Because the whole thing is is Jack writing to Danny. So it is actually a love letter to him. If I remember correctly reading the, the press pack, Danny is a sort of amalgamation of, of different characters. And John Pointing gives such a good performance. That is the character that I sort of um, fell for. I mean, Dylan Llewellyn as Jack was really good at doing this, the, the physical comedy. There's a great scene where he goes to meet an older man that he's met on like a grinder type app. It's, it's so sort of slapstick how it ends up there, sort of meeting. But it is just done with such a sort of a tender touch. But there, there are some really laugh out loud moments. Camille Kaduri is great as his mum. And there's a there's a sort of subplot with her in one of the episodes where they try to get her to go to like a, a widow's dating thing. And she stays in the car the entire time with with her niece or her late husband's niece. So there's just so much to like about this. It just, as as with a lot of these, it made me feel warm inside. It made me feel good. You can tell, obviously, writing from what he knows, that Jack Brook has, has a very much an affection for these characters. And it came across, and I just thought, especially the stuff with Danny, I thought was brilliant. So that's uh, Big Boys, which is number nine on my list. Now, this isn't going to be on your list but I just had to put it here because it's I, I found, and I appreciate what you said about it at the time, and you had some valid points, but I found that it was just such an achievement, unlike anything else, and topped itself and changed beyond belief from the first season, and that is Barry's season three. And I did revisit this just to make doubly sure that I wasn't just... I like Barry, I love Barry, is this series actually worth... And I did revisit it. You know, the whole subplot with the young girl in, in Sally's new show, being aware of how sort of toxic Barry is and their relationship is, was really fascinating. That scene on the freeway is by far the best directed, one of the most intense television scenes I think I've ever seen. I've never seen anything quite like that. I don't watch as many films as most. On TV... That action sequence of being chased on those motorcycles and people firing at you, properly intense. And I did feel like I wasn't watching this silly comedy that Barry perhaps began. It was like this intense drama that they had created, perhaps because of the pandemic, they went and rewrote it and perhaps it morphed into a different show, but it was completely a right choice to do it that way. And um, I loved all the stuff with... Darcy Carden I thought she did a really good job with what she was given take Matt's points that some characters felt a bit disparate but I think even if that were the case that everybody gave such a strong performance I've never seen Henry Winkler better Sarah Goldberg was just outstanding with what she has to do I think they've left it in a really fascinating interesting place where I have absolutely no idea what the next chapter of Barry looks like, what it means, are we going to see all these people again, are they gone from his life, is he caught, is he trapped, has he turned his back on everybody, has everybody seen his true colours, is there no redemption for him at all, brilliant show, and I think, you know, it was a long, long wait for that third series, but my God did it deliver, and it's another example, I think, that seven days where you can go, 
I wonder what's going to happen in Barry this week. I wonder where it's going to go. It just delivered on every point. It was such an exciting experience this year. Other years I've liked it because it's funny or it's clever or it subverts my expectations. This year I found it really exciting and appointment viewing. I thought this might be a little bit higher if I'm honest in your list. I'm surprised it's so low, if anything. It was on that sort of same level as something like Russian Doll, which I did enjoy while watching. You know, I did enjoy all of it, but I just, as as you said, I just didn't feel like the whole thing fit together when re-evaluating it after the series had finished. But I think it hasn't missed a step. And I, again, intrigued to see what happens next. Good. It's my catchphrase for this. Yeah. Number nine on the contributors list is. You just mentioned it there, Luke. League Did I? Of the Row. Oh, okay. Okay, um, League of the Row. Four Never lists, s- inclu- n- including one top spot, 25 points. My number eight is one that I sort of initially thought, should this go in? Because it hasn't stuck with me. Ooh. And I think there might be a little bit of recency bias in some of the picks that I've, that I've got. I remember how I felt about it at the time. And remembering sort of how how intrigued I was to watch the next episode and how, you know, I, I loved every little aspect of it, all the performances and stuff like that. It's Sherwood is my number eight. We're investigating the murder of a local resident. Can you think of anyone with there any ongoing disputes? Disputes? 1984. This was the miners' village. You know what folk are saying. Someone's targeting striking miners. I mean, who's next? I don't know what he's doing, what he wants. There's an undercover cop in the village. I know the potential to inflame divisions in the community. This place remembers. You had some issues with it, which actually I found out my brother shared as well. Yeah, can we get him on? I feel like we've got a lot in common. So this was uh, James Graham's sort of love letter to his home county of Nottinghamshire. Had a ridiculously stacked cast. David Morrissey, Leslie Manville, Robert Glenister, who I thought was brilliant in this, actually one of the standouts. Kevin Doyle and Claire Rushbrook were fantastic. Alan Armstrong in the first episode only, spoiler alert every other episode you'd have someone else turn up like Lindsay Duncan would turn up and then oh there's Stephen Tompkinson oh there's Mark Addy this was one of the most ridiculous cast that you ever had I think the the reveals at the end I think spoiled it for some people but it all made sense to me it's like this is this place where the history casts a shadow over it the history of these disputes between the miners and the people who went past the picket lines and then the next generation and the generation after that are the ones who feel like we can't do anything with our life. This is the place where the miners were and now there are no mines. You know, we we feel like what is there for us and and certainly the uh, the character whose name I've forgotten, the, the son of Kevin Doyle who was who turned out to be the uh, the main perpetrator of the crime. Spoiler He um had that big speech which worked for me i think felt that was quite realistic and then you had all the stuff with adi Alactor, which i know again you weren't a fan of retrospectively but again i think that that was something that did happen at the time so had to weave in there with it and i actually i did think that worked as well and i liked his performance in it and i 
I, I wonder how how many BAFTAs this will be nominated for because I can see a lot of the performances maybe being in there. I look back at it, I think this was on in June and mm. I can't think of how much has stayed with me, but I remember at the time having to like go onto the previews to watch the last couple of episodes to see how it ended because I was that intrigued and that into it. So yeah, so uh, I think I would be lying to myself if I didn't put it on the list, but because of its lack of sort of staying power, that's why it's a bit lower down for me. Series two? What are you feeling about a second series? It's like a lot, you know, we talked, didn't we, on the on the uh, the Christmas podcast about all these returning shows. I mean, I think it's up there with The Tourist, really, in terms of why are you bringing this back type thing, isn't it? I mean, this was, for me, like a perfect story. It was based on a true story. The characters work for that story. Who they're going to bring back, I'm not sure. Unless it's another series set in that community, but mm, not maybe. that exact community, you know. Maybe that works, but it, you know, if they're bringing back any, I can't see them bringing back any of the characters apart from maybe David Morrissey. You know, we just have, we'll have to see. But I think the fact that it was based on a true story, now he's having to do something else with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, what you know, like we do, we'll watch the first episode and see how it is and judge it on its on its merits. But I just, mm-hmm. I think you're going in with all of these series too, with the exception of time, because it's a different setting. I think the responder <laughs> that would work as well. That mm. could, that that stands on its own a bit as a uh, a procedural, but certainly um, the tourist and Sherwood are the two where you have to just say we'd bring this back because it was popular thing that struck me when you read out the top 10 most watched things, the numbers were minuscule. Well, the numbers mm. were really tiny. And when they when they say, oh, this has been a massive success on the iPlayer, why, for example, they're bringing back Waterloo Road, because the numbers of people watching it and enjoying the previous series as a box set were there enough to think, well, oh, there's interest for, to bring it back. But I was surprised how minuscule the numbers were and what we consider to be a hit nowadays numbers wise you wouldn't think the responder would warrant a second series other than martin freeman is magnetic in that role and you want to see him do it again but i think numbers numbers wise wise, but also um the demos the demographics Mm. are watching it that you know obviously they don't release those stats to to us but the you know that elusive what is 18 to 34s or something like that and i definitely know in terms of the tourists and i'm guessing waterley road as well you know it's a, yeah. it's a, another generation maybe watching it or maybe there was a level of nostalgia for those waterley road numbers and they're hoping that mm. that will translate to this new series that's coming um in a week or so those people who were nostalgic for it the first time around will pick it up and watch this new lot so mm, be um, interesting my number eight's going to surprise you, not because you didn't think it was going to be on the list, but if you thought um, that, um, what was my last one? Barry. Barry was low, then you're going to think this is low, but I think it's just reminiscent of how good the year has been and the fact that there's a show on the list quite high up that you and I never talk about because you've never seen it that I really love. So my number eight is actually two series of the same show. And it's hacks at number eight. And it deserves to be higher, but it can't be. Because the rest of the list is set in stone now. We're recording the podcast. So number eight is the brilliant comedy 
starring Jean Smart and Hannah Einbinder. It's just wonderful. It took far too long for my British eyes to see it. I don't know what they were playing at. I'm glad we finally got it. I'm glad we got two series in a year. And I absolutely think it's one of the smartest, cleverest shows because it's just about this dynamic, really, between this older woman and younger woman in the same industry trying to stay relevant. Jean Smart, if she didn't already prove what an absolute treasure she is in Mayor of Easttown, then she's absolutely proven it again here because you don't see Helen from Mayor of Easttown in this performance as uh, Deborah, Deborah Vance at all. You see this sort of charismatic woman of a certain age not willing to go down without a fight. In the golden era of her career, fought really hard to get where she was, earned a lot of money, earned a lot of respect, earned a lot of um, just, just fans and adulation. Trying to stay contemporary in this modern world where you're too afraid to say anything in case you get cancelled. Like, does anyone find it ironic that the guy from Fatalist died in his sleep? But. <laughs> I can't say that on Twitter, so I thought I'd say it here and cut it out. But. Um, That's really good. It is, isn't it? I can't believe. No, no the people have thought it. They've just not said it because you did. Oh, no. No, you have to do it. It's at the heart of the show is this this unlikely mother daughter relationship, this friendship that develops between these two women. Hannah Einbinder, it's her first scripted performance, and she is co- as compelling as any other performer I've seen all year. I just loved it. I didn't want it to end, and again, I don't quite know based on how it ended in the end of season two. I don't quite know how. They're going to manufacture mm. these two characters coming together again because, let's face it, that's the only thing that works is when they're together, whether they're being nasty to each other, whether they're being, you know, taking the mick out of each other or funny together, they only work as a duo. Uh, and so I'm hoping that season three doesn't have what Matt thought Barry had, which was these two disparate personalities and they find a way to organically bring them together without feeling like, oh, we've got to bring them together because that's what we need to do. But I just think as a whole, it was fantastic. It reinvented the half-hour comedy. Even though I'm, I'm talking mainly about Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart, but there was a really stellar support cast here as well. Just loved Hacks. Absolutely loved mm. it. It is deserving of being on every critic's list that it's on. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful show and unlike anything else it's warm it's sweet it's got an edge to it and uh two top performances in the in the frame i think it's great is it on yours it is uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later on okay good i'm glad it's on there uh this will be a quick one because number eight on the contributors list is andor drug good for those who enjoyed it i think yeah the, yeah the general thing seems to be that this was the best of the Star Wars shows, that it was very dark. Um, I liked, I had watched the film Rogue, the Rogue One, which this is a prequel to, and I do I do like Diego Luna as an actor, um, but just, I think, you know, I speak for Luke when we say not, not quite our tempo. No, no. Um, number seven for me, What We Do in the Shadows. Wow, okay. This? No, I haven't got no. this. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> that is the baby Colin Robinson, I assume. I can mold this boy into the most interesting adult there has ever been. He really loves musical theater. What have the dark lord wrought? This is the big opening of our nightclub. We want the drinks to be very expensive, so then we attract rich humans. Rich humans are basically like veil, conceptually repulsive, but so buttery on my tongue. What's the word for what you guys are? Polyamorous? Oh, I was thinking filthy hippies. A genie lamb. I wish you to bring back all 37 of my dead wives. Greetings, my wife! <laughs> Very much a return to form for me. I wouldn't say I struggled with the third season, but the first two I loved. The third one, I think the pairings that they did where it was a lot of Nanda and Nadia together, a lot of Laszlo and Colin Robinson together. Guillermo, is it Harvey Guillan? Is the actor yeah. who plays him? Yeah, or Gillian. He's the heart yeah. of this programme, you know. Wants to be a vampire, yet he's related to the Van Helsings. So that's sort of <laughs> the character. Quite that... problematic. Quite a problematic character, and in this one, you found out, you know, that he was gay. He came out to his family. He met this English guy, but it didn't end very well at all. So good. <laughs> Thanks to some cloning and some gin magic, and it just went very inventive again. I felt it lost that bar, like the Atlantic City episodes, and possibly the end. I felt the third series lost that inventiveness a little. But this just like. You love the go flip yourself thing yes. with the property members. That yeah. reveal with what's his name, the devious. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember that re that reveal in that Simon the devious. That, mm. that reveal where it's all about the hat. Yeah, I just love, love that, that as a as a thread that pops up every so often. Baby Colin Robinson, uh, Nadia opening a club. Herman and Guillermo both. Skinning yeah. money off the top of that. And then I loved also, I don't know if we spoke about it, the one where they're trying to get him into a school and they keep yeah. having to hypnotise them and put them mm. under while they, they change the story. The teacher has a stroke because they hypnotised him 468 yeah. times or something like yeah. that. It, maintained, it brought back that gag ratio. Mm. You know, you're laughing constantly, but also the character stuff was a lot stronger this time around as well and the arc with Colin Robinson, the arc with Guillermo and where, where it ends with him. They've set it up so strongly to go into this next season. They did everything right here, basically, and that's why it's my number seven. I love how they lean into the bonkersness of it and they do let them, you know, hypnotise people mm. and change whatever they can. It, they it, do lean into it well. Mm. It never feels stale. What if... This, but with vampires, I suppose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what did you put at number seven? A show I really loved, really admired from a new writer that felt so personal, so real, about as close to a documentary on the subject as you could get. Number seven, The Responder. I just want to be a good Bobby. <laughs> we all ain't you. We? Not me, like. What is you? Good. It's such important work. I want to be normal. Look at the state of him. He's a mess. The job has ruined me. Mate, I'm in the middle of working here. Lad, I need Casey. I'm not picking anyone up for you. That's all I've done for you. You don't have a choice. You're working for Carl Sweeney, aren't you? 
Why is he so angry with you? Because I robbed us cocaine. You are. You're a car crash of a human being. Get back! I thought I could help you. Won't let me in. I can't remember the last time I did something good. You know, we put these sort of things on our coming soon page when they're announced. We don't really know anything about them how they're going to look, what they're going to feel like, how they're going to be performed. And just as a press release, when this came through, it's like, oh, Martin Freeman plays a policeman, or, you know, out and about. Yeah, exciting. But it it was one of the more visceral shows of the year. I think it is Martin Freeman's best ever performance, particularly I've ever seen. And, you know, we're sort of known for playing Tim from The Office, this sort of bumbling every man. And here he was this tightly wound Liverpoolian with a brilliant accent. Gary couldn't get in the bin. I don't know what he was on about on the Christmas show. I mean, <laughs> I'm not I'm not around that many Liverpoolians. Maybe Gary is in the London area. But to me, it just sounded on point. Great thing about it is, and this is no disrespect, in fact, this is a compliment, I, f- I think, to Martin Freeman, is that very very quickly I didn't see him I didn't see him at all I know he had a different look his hair was shaving a little bit and of course the the voice but it was just such a lived in performance that it was almost like I was watching you know an episode of the BBC's Ambulance or something it was just it felt so intense so real so dangerous and so unpredictable And, and as much as it was all those things I also appreciated that it was also quite pedestrian and, and, and slow. And, you know, when he goes to the home of an elderly woman who has passed away, it's not a big mystery. It's about comforting her relative who's there and, you know, finishing a box of biscuits and getting on with your night. You know, when he goes to a neighbourly dispute, it's not about talking to each one about what what went wrong it's about shoving them in the flat because they're making it they're causing a disturbance they've called him out a load of times he's at the end of his tether he's unsupported the two new actors for lack of a better phrase the the people on the street emily farin and josh josh fian as marco as well this sort of happy-go-lucky chap from the streets sort of minor criminal who's never really got into any trouble but is sort of known to Chris. Their dynamic between the two of them is really interesting. Then you got Adeo Adedeo joining as Rachel, who is this. She was co- fantastic. She's fantastic. She She's this young PC who's sort of aware of Chris's reputation, doesn't want to really join him on the beat, but is forced into it. They strike up a, a really interesting connection and relationship and when it's revealed what's happening to her behind closed doors I think is one of the best examples of domestic violence I've ever seen on screen really downplayed but you feel the danger you feel her tension the way it is dealt with and the way that she handles it and the way she holds herself when she goes over to the fire station where her boyfriend works and sort of shames him in front of all of his colleagues is just so incredibly impactful and powerful yeah it was a little it was a bolt of lightning this show i just thought it was 
it was so real. You could tell it came from a new writer who knew this world, knew these streets. You know, it was almost like documentary. It was the closest to documentary you're going to get in a drama. I just found it outstanding. Did it make your list? Why not? Why do you think it didn't? Because it I was it was one of the best BBC dramas this year. Bar, yeah, bar definitely. Long. I agreed. But I think for me, it's when it got a bit more plotty. I agree with everything you say about the cinematography, the, the stuff where you see him do like the minor jobs and stuff mm, like that. Mm. But it's the stuff with Warren Brown and Ian Hart. Yeah, and I'll then the stuff that. where you had Christine Tremaco as this doctor who was operating for her brother who was in prison. That sort of clogged it down for me. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, no, like, I get that. And uh, to be fair, that's yeah. my mind doesn't engage those, no. as you could tell. Your mind doesn't go, oh, Christine Tremeco was great as this sort of would-be doctor. But if, you, I if you're objectively looking mm. at that as part of the series, yeah, that yeah. part, I think Maya's all the great stuff which you've mentioned. The domestic violence stuff, I think, was the, the best stuff in there for me, with his mum as well, actually. In the, oh, in I the see, yeah, how touching was that? Yes. Um, but the, the the bits that did work for me, as I say, were those, those plotty bits, and I think mm. looking back, it's a bit like a Sherwood thing. And, and unlike Sherwood, I didn't watch this straight away. So no, I think no. that's why I, I couldn't sort of wrestle with it being in in my top ten. Um, and we're on a contributors list again. We can go through this quite quickly because um, on uh, six lists, uh, no number one spots, 28 points, Sherwood. So other people liked it as well. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, this is where you're going to go and tell me to get in the bin now. This isn't a show we spoke about on the podcast. It has <clears throat> um, featured in a few of these lists. And it just, I think, I, I watched it very, very recently. Touched me, my heart a little bit. And it's Heartstopper. Hi. Hi. Nick Nelson. He is the star player on the rugby team. We are a trio of borderline outcasts. He's different. Hey. <laughs> Literally just another silly crush. It's not a crush. Hi. 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 Come on. Dream guy. I don't know. Just someone I can have a laugh with. He's the straightest person I have ever seen. Thank you. I had something I wanted to ask you. Do you want to go out with me? Do you want to join the rugby team? What? Do you ever feel like you're only doing things because everyone else is and you're scared to change? Just miss how things used to be with the four of us. You're a good friend. I know. If he is even slightly mean to you, kick your murder him. I was going to have to send him a strongly worded DM, but murder's fine too. I thought those I two leads were just horrifically awful. I just I didn't thought believe... they were brilliant. No, it's like just out of drama school or just off the street. I don't know where they got them from. No, I no, no. no I'm disagreeing with that. No. Uh, no, terrible. <laughs> they, I think it was that sort of almost like lack of experience that worked. I thought a uh, genuinely. Sorry, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm making involuntary noises. What's your number six? No, no. Let me, well, just, let me speak. Let me you tell won't, you. You won't. To be fair, you probably won't agree with my number six, but it's not as bad as this. 
again, I think maybe it was when I watched it as well. But I when I did you this watch was it? A really, a really sweetly told story of this time in your life. And actually, I thought it was very authentically played. Mm. Like, How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> Let me just look up because Kit Connor, he was playing the. Um... <sighs> Oh, please. I don't know. I, I, it's not me. It's my body. It just doesn't like it. Was it, this it, after you went to the dentist and you, they gave you all those drugs? No, 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 no. No, no I, I said can't. that this was in the last week. So it's was it after you had that bang on the head? <laughs> How many did you watch, Lee? Let's just start them. Two. Two, okay. And you just found the acting completely... Oh, the acting, the stupid little Lizzie McGuire heart things on the screen... You know, you shouldn't have to yeah, show me that. I should, me. I should feel that in my strings. I shouldn't need to be shown it. I felt it though in my strings. So well, your you know, strings must be coming I, loose. I, I did feel those genuine emotions from Joe Locke, who played Charlie, who was this out gay student, and he gets these feelings towards an older rugby player, Nick Nelson, played by Kit Connor, and they're sort of flirtatious relationship that turns into something more and Nick's struggling with his own sexuality because of these feelings towards Charlie. I just thought those two performances were very authentic. I, I get sort of maybe a bit amateurish. You, oh, massive. You may get that, but they, to me, felt like genuine teenage lads at school dealing with all those pressures and all those stupid things <clears throat> that teenagers have to deal with. <clears throat> And it did that, thing, as I always say to you, teenagers are idiots. And I think this did show that really well. A lot of it is done in the facial expressions when they're reading each other's messages. These little moments, you could tell exactly what they were thinking without them saying anything. And actually, you saying the, don't show me these things, there was a lot of what they were saying about what happened before the show began that we didn't see. I think there was one scene of flashback where you saw him in a darkened corridor where he would have been bullied the year before by people that Nick was friends with. They could have showed a lot more flashback than they did. There was also all the stuff with Elle, who was a trans friend of theirs, who was at the boys' school they go to before transitioning. They made you, or certainly made me feel like I knew what, what had happened through those performances. I loved how all the adult characters were so supportive that Olivia Coleman played Nick's mom. 
and Charlie's dad was so supportive. You know, obviously, again, you've got that, that he'd been through this bullying the year before. There's the art teacher who he often finds solace in his room. It got me. It did. And I, I, I'm sorry, but that is how I feel. You're going to have to indulge me. I was very polite there. <laughs> so you're just going to have to indulge me. Oh, no, Luke, you can't have this on your list. This is ridiculous. Ah. Okay. <laughs> That's really annoying. <laughs> Okay, my number six, you probably won't agree, but I'm in awe of the way this is written and put together and directed and all the rest of it. It's a White Lotus series too. Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. Welcome to the White Lotus in Sicily. La Dolce Vista. You guys are here to learn about your Sicilian roots. Sounds like a fun boys trip. Wasn't supposed to be a boys trip. We're on a family vacation right now and it's just the three of us because all the women in our family hate you. Now that he's loaded, you think he regrets marrying such a dud? There's a reason they invited us here. It's like you sold your company, you got rich, and now he's your best friend. Are these the kind of people we're going to be hanging out with now? Did you vote, babe? Be honest. I did. Didn't I? Doesn't matter. Learning is one of the pleasures of life. You're 80 years old, but the women I desire remain young. I just want to inform you that my good friends here, they're going to be visiting me this week, coming and going. They come and go. I think he's having an affair. I've seen a lot of guys who, like, make all this money and they just start acting different. What happened last night? Just been a series of very bad decisions. You've had very bad luck. Best thing about luck is it can always change. Italy's just so romantic. You're gonna die. They're gonna have to drag you out of here. So inventive. I think it's the best. You know, I'm a sucker for dialogue. I always have been. You can go back to the very first podcast all those years ago, 11 years ago, and I was always on about dialogue. And this is the most, whilst not necessarily authentic dialogue in as much as I don't think people speak like this necessarily, I think it's the most interestingly and intricately put together dialogue that I believe from this specific set of characters and how they would interact and how passive-aggressive it is. I think what season two of this show did was, whether I'm right or wrong in his mind, I think it righted a lot of the problems that Matt had when we discussed season one, uh, where he said everybody was unlikable, all the people you know, didn't get their comeuppance, and I think what Mike White did by moving this to Sicily was he was able to focus a lot of the attention on three particularly likeable characters in Valentina, the hotel owner, and Mia and Lucia, the two Italian locals, one of which was uh, a prostitute and her best friend who dreamed of stardom and ended up working as the pianist in the hotel after she inadvertently gives the, the main pianist a heart attack. It's the most unpredictable show. I never know where the White Lotus is going I just like to lose myself, in this case, the beauty of Sicily, the strange dynamics between these people who you kind of admire but kind of scowl at 
one minute to the next. I think Aubrey Plaza was fantastic. It's probably the best performance I've seen from her, and I've seen her in a lot of stuff. This was the best I've ever seen her. Megan Fahey as Daphne is, is on one hand, everything is at face value, and then the more you learn, you sort of realise hidden depths within that character, that she's acting within acting, that there's a personality that she puts on at one point that isn't there for the rest of the time. I've never seen her before. I think she was fantastic. I think Hayley Lou Richardson as Jennifer Coolidge's assistant Portia was really... There's just so many interesting characters that I just enjoyed spending time with and it was completely unpredictable. Tom Hollander comes in and changes the dynamic. I love the death, which this time didn't impinge on it at all although at times I was worried about the characters I really cared about yeah I just think it's unique I think it's clever I think it's saying more than we even realize I think it's eminently quotable and rewatchable I really loved it with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And it just balances that comedy and drama and sort of cringe humour as well all in there to this special unique white lotus melting pot and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it it's number 6 on my list the characters in this were a lot more diverse I think they were all very similar levels of sort of arrogant rich in the last series and I actually mm. I didn't think that I would care as much about Tanya as, as oh, I yeah. did in this yeah, yeah. series that storyline with Tanya and Portia and Tom Hollander and all of that and that sort of intrigue, there was a lot more there than I think was in the first series. You know, it became like a thriller by the end. And I oh, actually yeah. really enjoyed that. The stuff with the two Italian girls, I really liked as well. I thought those performances were brilliant. I think the other two stories, the the three generations with, with F. Murray Abraham and Michael Imperioli and that story, it lost it a bit towards the end. No, it became, but... I- I like that because it it got the Italian girls into the story mm. more. Yeah. And also it showed the hypocrisy of the life that Dominic de Grasso, Marco Imperioli's character, has been living because mm. he was really uncomfortable with the idea of his son, A, sleeping with this woman, and B, you know, having to pay her off, for lack of a better phrase. And then it sort of shone a light onto the man F. Murray Abraham's character was because he's saying, I saw you cheat throughout my life on mum. You may feel you were discreet, but you weren't, and that's turned me into... So it was sort of the two generations looking back at their life and then at, their, at the next one going, he's going to make all the same mistakes we are, 
and he's fallen head over heels. I mean, I really thought at one point that him and Portia were going to be interesting. Oh, I just think everything about it worked this time, and I think also it's that HBO wait a week, build on it, what's going to happen next. Yeah, there's no way you could say, you know, even halfway through the series, oh, I know where this is going. It's just one of those shows you can't predict. It just, even though it's heightened, everything about it just works. There's a, there's a white lotus world, and within that world, everything just seems to gel. You know, all the characters were interesting. They all had something to offer. The ending was properly shocking, properly thrilling, that we won't spoil here. I won't spend long on number six on the contributors list because we will be talking about this later on um it's the bear is number six mm-hmm. 29 uh one top spot and interestingly initially was number one for a while yeah some of the first four lists that came in and then after a while it ended up and it is in a, a tie break scenario because the next show is uh, is on five lists so that's what sort of broke the tie break but yeah. i think it will be something we will talk about so um we shall go on now to my number five, which we've already talked about as well. This is where I've got hacks at number five. Okay. You, you can't get me a meeting to write on anything. Deborah Vance is intrigued by the idea of you writing jokes for her. The QVC Moo Moo lady. They're caftans. You told me to like interrupt you in more important client call. I'm sending you to Las Vegas. Why are you here? I got a call this morning saying that you wanted to meet. Well, Jimmy sent you against my wishes. Fucking bitch. Excuse me. Did you have something else to say? Yeah. So cool they let you move into a cheesecake factory. Is that where you wait tables? That seems like a better fit. I'd rather sling bang bang chicken and shrimp all day than work here, you classist monster. <laughs> How's it going in Vegas? You and Deborah Vance, Thelma and Louise yet or what? No, but I do want to drive off a cliff. Okay, you ready to do some work? Let's see. Feet, toes, pedicure. Wow. It's like watching Picasso sing. You mean paint? No. You said you love me! Make some noise for the OG female comedian, Deborah Vance. I can't believe this is what she's doing today. Is it seriously worth it? Worth about a hundred grand and some stock. A hundred grand? And some stock. It's going to be hard to work together if we can't communicate. We don't work together. You work for me. You're making it really hard. You don't know what hard is. You got plucked off the internet at, what, 20? You just got lucky. I'm also good. Good is the minimum. It's the baseline. And even if you're great, you still have to work really fucking hard. You have to scratch and claw, and it never fucking ends. And it doesn't get better. It just gets hard. We got two series this year. I think the second the second season, I think this is leaning on more for me. Just because it was a bit different, you know, they took it on the road. There was more variation to it. Their relationship obviously had been established and they were at odds because of an email that um, Ava had sent about uh, Deborah when, when she'd sacked her in the first series. Had Ava was grieving her dad and she'd taken mm. him in, with, with them to scatter his ashes. I, I just think the relationship between... I mean, you've said a lot of it already, you know, the relationship between these two actresses. I watched recently, Jean Smart did one of those career retrospective videos. For I saw that. Yeah. You saw that, did you? Yeah, saw yeah. that. They gave her a sort of a list of actresses to play Ava, and she did a chemistry test with, with Hannah Ambinder, and the chemistry is just brilliant. And especially, you know, she, again, is... I, I've used this before, but she's the heart of this series for me, and mm. it's sort of her 
understanding and her relationship with Deborah, and then you see her relationship with her own mother, which is quite fractured. It is just a really well told show. It's a, it's a real sort of love letter to all you know these veteran entertainers. When everything comes together at the end with this variety show, you know you have this director who is like really established but hasn't worked for years because again she's a woman, she's an older woman. And it does look at how older women are maligned in the entertainment industry. So it has got a lot to say. I think those two performances and the chemistry is fantastic. I, like you, think they should have ended it here because it is a perfect ending. But as ever, with things that are popular, they do want to just stretch well, them out. And it, I do have it, faith to a degree that HBO won't do it till it dies. Um, yeah, so that's my number five. What's your number five? I've wrestled with this. I've even been looking at my list going, should probably be higher, should probably be higher. Number five is one of my shows of the year. Um, and I suppose any of these could be in All any order. Well, yeah, yeah, but number, yeah, yeah, but this one, <laughs> this one, I can't say enough about it. I've written about it endlessly. I've told everyone with iPlayer to go and watch it. It's brilliant. This is going to hurt. This is Obzangaini. You're generally sailing the ship alone. The ship that's massive and on fire and no one's had the time to teach you how to sail. It's literally life or death here. I'd say this is going very well. Hi, I'm Adam, one of the doctors. I was supposed to be having a water bath. You never know, one of the pipes might come down. Welcome to the NHS. I genuinely don't know why, because I'm terrified of them. But for some reason, medical dramas, be it bodies, ER, this one, they just fascinate me. I don't know why, because it is my worst nightmare to be in hospital or for any member of my family to be in hospital for any reason or extended period of time. But they do make for fascinating uh, examinations of the human psyche, and, and this is... Uh, ben Wishaw playing the real Adam Kay who adapted the show from the book which then became a stage show which subsequently became a TV show. Ben Wishaw occasionally breaking the fourth wall to talk to the audience, a device I'm not the biggest fan of but that worked really well here to explain the intricacies of, of the job they were doing and sort of the mundanity of it. I think he did really well. Uh, the show itself, as good as Ben Whishaw is, and he is really good as Adam, this uh, junior doctor who is at the end of his tether, both with his stressful life and uh, not being taken seriously, not getting breaks, not, you know, just being at the beck and call of everybody and then also trying to withstand a relationship with his boyfriend Harry when his parents don't even know his sexual orientation and he's got that to worry about and he's also in a different social uh, section so he's struggling to keep up with his friends and his his work is suffering because of it but the show's heart is um, Ambika Bod uh, who plays Shruti who is sort of Adam's underling who is ferociously studying and trying to learn all she can uh, under Adam, who is very dismissive and thinks she should do better. She is just absolutely heartbreaking in this role of this girl who is desperate to get everything right, but is completely overwhelmed and overworked 
and just swamped by the system and immediately let down by the colleagues that surround her who see her go in every day and perform but don't see what's going on beneath the surface. It again is a great example of, of what we always talk about in this country, people's mental health and how it is silent and how you can be around 100 people and not be noticed and I think that is handled brilliantly. I also think Ashley Maguire uh, turns up later on in the series as another mentor figure. She is a bit revelationary in the role as uh, as uh, Miss Houghton. Take no nonsense doctor who takes uh, Shruti under her wing but again doesn't notice the severity to which she is struggling. It it does everything I like. It it balances humour and darkness. One minute you're laughing at the sheer darkness of the whole thing and the next minute your heart is broken when you realise what has happened. There's a real indictment on the NHS. It doesn't pull any punches where that organisation is concerned. But one of my favourite episodes is the one where Adam is sent to a private hospital, he feels like he's landed on his feet, they've got all the latest mod cons, patients are looked after, and then when push comes to shove and a patient starts bleeding, they haven't got the uh, required medical equipment to help them stem the bleeding and save the patient's life, and so they end up back at, at Adam's NHS hospital. I just And also these were 45 minutes, 40 minutes, they were quick, they were sharp, they knew exactly what they were, there wasn't any, you know, flab on it. There was nothing where you'd go, oh, if only it didn't have this bit. And, you know, it just felt fully formed, brilliant. Uh, a great accompaniment, I would hope, if you'd read the book, rather than, oh, I've just seen all this before. Great lead performances from Amika Bod and Ben Weshaw. Yeah, again, it's just nothing in it has really stood. You know, you talking about it there, I can't disagree with anything you've said, but... By the end of the year, it just hasn't really resonated with the, the, the stuff in the Responder. Definitely did of those two shows. Apart from the Shruti stuff, nothing really sort of got me. Like it oh. obviously has you. Uh, what is your next one? We can do this nicely because the contributors number five is also my number four. Like the Bear, this show got twenty nine points, mm-hmm. but it featured on five lists and again got num- one number one. Um, and as I say, number four on my list is Dairy Girls. Once again, the maze was the focal point of a troubled peace process. Don't anyone ever bangs on about. We lived on the edge back then. We were young, wild, fearless. Drum roll, please, sister. Have you lost your actual mind? Have it! Only much longer. Are we going to ignore the elephant in the room? Where? You fail your GCSEs. The school will take you back. Just try to enjoy what time you've left, girls. I'm sorry, can nobody else hear the absolute racket you're making? Just breathing. It's anguish breathing, Jay. It is a bit oppressive, actually. Jerry! 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 Someone call him? Jesus, I need some excitement. You call for a plumber? If you're that hot, you should at least have the common decency to be a bit thick. I described it as almost like a live-action cartoon, like a live-action Simpsons at times. It's not clever enough to be a live-action Simpsons, though, really, if we're being honest. I would disagree because I obviously liked it. So no, <laughs> I don't know. It's fun, but obviously it has that underlying tension. I mean, a lot of it is based on that last episode, which was fantastic. There was stuff I liked in the series. You know, there's the there was the Liam Neeson episode. You know, that cameo, which was completely um, 
a surprise as well. This sort of confrontation between this copper and, and Uncle Colm, who is a brilliant comic creation. There's the episode, sort of like the Haunted House episode, where the two characters, it's Erin and it's... Oh, what's the boy called now? I keep wanting James. to call him Jack. James. They come together there. Then there's the one where you, it's like the flashback episode with the mums, which I loved. There's a death in the final episode. One of the parents dies. I'm not going to reveal who, but that's emotionally done. This one was early on in the year, but has stuck with me. So that is what that is some of my um, my rationale here. This one wasn't all available on all four, so we had to watch it weekly, and I think that helped. And I think it helped watching it along with other people as well. You know, you saw the comments on Twitter it has gone out on a high and i think there's that last scene where again they had a they had a cameo that was unexpected and worked i do, i just i really liked all of it and a lot of it has, has stuck with me and i think you know this is a series that i initially didn't gel with as well so mm. it does do the thing of maybe you should sometimes go back to stuff if if people are saying that it is good because i think that first series they were all new the chemistry wasn't there and it has improved over the series. So I'm glad I went back to it. I'm glad I watched the second series earlier this year. The actresses and Dilla Llewellyn together, that fivesome is so good now. They bounce off each other so well. And I just think that that last seventh episode was a triumph. And that's why, why it's my number four. Okay, I'm going to be very quick because you and I have never spoken about this. We've never reviewed it on the podcast and you, you'll you never see it because you, you won't. Better call um, Saul? Better, yeah, better do. Um, it's also Jake. number four in the contributors list as well. Luke, yeah, oh, well done. Perhaps if it was one that you and I had really dissected and really been into, it might have been higher because this was the final lot. My God, did they do one heck of a job finishing this show. It even makes me wonder... You know, if Breaking Bad is my favourite show of all time, then is this number two? Because it is really that good. And what I've always praised about the teams on both shows is even though it might not be the case, and in fact I know it not to be the case from watching, you know, directors' commentaries and all the rest of it, it's a show that just feels like every inch of it was planned out on a whiteboard in a writer's room from the beginning, and there they are, at their end point that they planned out all those all that time ago because it really does feel like everything just slots into place. It is so clever. The lead performances from Ray Seahorn and Bob Odenkirk, my God, they were good. I just could not have predicted where this was going to go, how it hit me emotionally. It was the perfect send-off and it puts it into the category of, you know, is it one of the best final series of all time? It, does it deliver one of the best finales of all time? Yes, I would say so, and that's why it's my number four. 30 points and four lists that featured on. No one had that yeah. as their number one. No. Um, so it's my number three now, is it? Yeah. It's only been out about a week, and it's oh. I Hate Susie too. It'd be great to see a little bit more of the real Susie. It's not the Susie they know. They hate the Susie they know. Oh, there's five, six, seven, hold it. We have you in one of the most popular shows in the country. <laughs> what are you afraid of? I've noticed a change in Susie. I have to be perfect. None of this is worth it. 
Are you happy with everyone hating you? Well, no, it's not lovely. It was set around uh, the Christmas special of a dance show. It was building up to the final of the show is on Christmas Eve, and it was there was a, a thing around the custody battle between Susie and Cobb for custody, or well, who got to have Frank. But like the first episode, you will have heard my views on already, and as Sophie said, you know they do the the same thing that they did in the first episode of series one with the you know the the hectic camera movements and what have you and you don't quite know where you are it's all quite disorientating the dance sequences in this are absolutely brilliant the the opening dance sequence where she's dressed as a clown dancing to gypsy woman by crystal waters mm. you know and it is it's a song that actually you know is is telling her story is um, you know, she just stands there dancing for money while she's dressed as a clown. It's so clever and it works on so many different levels. Some great, like, minor performances as well. Amara Douglas from It's a Sin plays her, like, publicity manager. It's Blake Harrison, isn't it, from The Inbetweeners? Mm-hmm. He, he's playing one of the other contestants on this dance show who's, like, a ex-footballer. He keeps telling the sub-story of how he lost his dad, so that sort of is very in, t- in keeping with quite a lot of the contestants on these sort of shows. Then we got into episode three, which is which is one of my favourite TV episodes of the year. It just takes you from beginning to end. It's almost done in real time. It's so, again, really disorientating. All set on the day of this final episode. You know, she's going between makeup, she's going between costumes, she's having to redo a dance because... There are minor royals in the audience, so they can't have any pyro anymore. It's just, it, it, it's just so good. And I just sat there for what, like 45 minutes or whatever, and I was just completely gripped. And I haven't felt that much in TV this year like I did with the third episode of I Hate Susie. And, and then the final couple of minutes, Billy Piper's performance, I hope she wins a BAFTA. I don't want to spoil it, but just what happens in those last five minutes. It just, it, it's hard to describe without going into it. And I hope that you oh, wow. watch oh, it wow. because it's just, it is so, so powerful. And I, I don't, again, I don't know if it's recency bias. I had a visceral reaction to that mm. final episode. Mm. That's why it had to, because before that I was like, I like this, but I, you know, maybe it's not as good as, as series one. But then that final episode rocketed it up for me because it's so, so good. It's and amazing what an episode can do, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I suppose as it's one of three, if it was one of eight, then, again, <laughs> it might not have worked as well, but because it's a third of the series. Um, and there are some... In, I mean, we mentioned it before. There's a, there's a scene where she takes these pills to have an abortion, and it's not something that you've seen before on TV. Mm. Billy Piper for a BAFTA next year, that's what I will say. Uh, the Bear is my number three. It probably should be higher. It's one of the most unique, stressful, visceral shows I've ever seen. Not for a second did I remember I was watching a TV drama. It just felt so lived in. It was like, just unlike anything I'd ever seen. Just sticking a camera in this kitchen, there wasn't a second where I go, oh, he's not, he's an actor working as a chef. No, this was... Being plonked into this kitchen or this sandwich shop, if you want to call it, with these 
compelling characters screaming all these lingo at each other that I didn't understand initially, dynamics between each other which I didn't understand initially, but so, so... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Compelling and interesting to just get, as a viewer, just get literally plonked in as if you're sort of trying to keep up with all this action going on around you and trying to work out what this means and remember who that is and why is he screaming at him and when you get into the weeds a bit and you learn that Jeremy Allen White's character Kami is there because he is taking over the reins of his brother's business his brother died uh, by suicide and he's trying to come to terms with that whilst trying to keep this family sandwich shop afloat and having uh, greater aspirations for it after his life as a chef in, in New York and just one of the best, best performances I've, I've seen all year from uh, Adoia Debris. Just wonderful. Just, you know, she's a stand-up comic. She's a comedy writer on what we do in the shadows. And yet she delivers this really heartfelt, poignant character as Sydney, who I suppose you could say is our proxy to the whole thing. As she comes in, willing to learn, wanting to impress Carmi, wanting to ingratiate herself within the group who who keep looking down upon her and making her life within the kitchen ten times harder than it needs to be that they feel she's above them and just the dynamics the characters the way they bounce off of each other the guardian named it the number one show of the year and it isn't like a tv comedy or a tv drama it is an experience that is what you have when you watch the bear you experience it you don't watch it you inhale it you experience it and it's one of those rare examples of a show where I'm always going, oh, the week to week, and I will always champion that. But this, I did inhale. This, I watched as one. It was like one long film, which I don't like consuming my TV that way. But I just found it utterly compulsive. I couldn't turn it off. And I just wanted to spend more and more time in that kitchen. And I think it's the penultimate episode, the seventh one, that is supposedly all mm. one take, that is just so stressful that you feel as a viewer that you might need to pause it just to relax your body or at least I did just to relax yourself a bit but also you can't tear away as everything is falling apart around them and Sydney quits the kitchen because of the stress and the way she's being treated my god the bear was good I'll talk about it more later shall I yeah I think I know where it is on your list I I have got it higher Yes. So I say it's it's my number one, and then you can guess what my number two is. No, I can't. I can't guess. I can't guess at all. You can't can't guess. Number three on the contributors. 
I think this might be in your list coming up, one of mm. your top two Maybe. bad sisters. Yeah. 39 is there. points, five lists, two top spots. My number two, any guesses? None at all. Your list has been <laughs> confusing, discombobulating, and that of a 45-year-old woman, so I would have no idea where you're going next. And you run this podcast as well, Luke, and I okay. think... You'd watched all of it at the time, and I went back to it as it was on my mega list of homework, mm-hmm. and I loved it. It got me feeling for these two central characters. Everything about it felt authentic, mm. and it's somewhere, boy. There's always been out there, but if we can hide, then maybe one day they'll go, and we'll get our chance to start again. Please go! Just be nice to him. He'll settle in. What, is he staying? You two are going to be as thick as thieves. His mum died and his dad sort of kept him inside. Maybe I could meet your friends sometime. You'd have to leave the house first, wouldn't you? I need to see the man who did this to me. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I can't understand any of it. You know there aren't any monsters, really, don't you? Dad wouldn't lie to me. I loved it. The way, so, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's about this lad, Danny, who's dad kept him in the house never let him out of the house said there's monsters outside you know we got more about why he did this as it went along dad ostensibly kills himself or so we think and danny is then uh, taken to live with his aunt sue played by lisa mcgrillis who has got a son of around the same age aaron played by samuel bottomley as well as two younger children and a new partner paul played by johan myers it is essentially that argument of nature versus nurture because, in a way, Aaron is almost as awkward as Danny, even though Danny has no concept of the outside world, of how to behave. Mm. Aaron has had all that influence, but still feels out of place in the world, doesn't feel like he fits in with his friends when he's down the pub, really struggles to talk to girls. All these little bits in their relationship and how... He almost is about Aaron's embarrassed by Danny. Danny is completely oblivious. It looks at what happened to his mum, why his dad kept him in. There's this thread of them listening to all this, these old songs together and watching all these old movies together. And then as it goes on, Sue realises maybe she can't keep him in the house any longer and he goes into sheltered accommodation and there's this fantastic episode where he's dragged on this hen night you know i don't want to spoil every element of it but i I, the performance from lewis gribbon is fantastic you believe he's gone through what danny goes through samuel bottomley though just as good as this like you know awkward teenage boy who now has to take on this responsibility but doesn't really know where he fits in there's a brilliant scene where he meets his dad in a pub in the middle of the day and because he wants to go and live with his dad because he's he's not liking Danny being in the house and having to you know put up with him as well as two younger siblings and his dad basically fobs him off and says no you can't live with me and that is that was really heartbreaking to me there were so many little moments it's such an intimate show and I really fell for it and and you know there's that revelation at the end and the, the reconciliation, that's all done so well. Lisa McGrill is excellent in this, and you see there's a scene in flashback where there's regrets on her end as well. So, yeah, just a brilliant show. Flew completely under the radar. 
more people should watch it and i you know it, again i had that reaction to it and that's why it's my number two so we are contributors number two is uh, this gonna hurt good uh number two for me yeah. these are interchangeable uh number two is the brilliant bad sisters and i'm almost annoyed that it obviously doesn't feature anywhere on your list we know what your number one is we've been through the middle-aged uh, portion of it god gave john paul the strength to be an unforgettable human being let us give thanks for the joy he spread his whole life long <laughs> who knows if there's foul play here but if there is the culprit usually shows up at the funeral all right colombo claffin and sons for handling john paul's life insurance policy were you very close yeah he was our brother-in-law I know you don't think he's a good man. Families, they're complex. I found myself an old on a sign. She wasn't always like that. He's sucking the life out of her. Well, we'll just have to wait till he dies of cancer or something. Why not give nature a helping hand? <laughs> We're talking about taking a man's life. Not a man, but monster. There's no evidence we should be looking for fraud. Murder is fraud, and there's a life policy to pay out. It's not happening. It was one moment of madness. Two moments of madness. He thinks someone's trying to kill him. That's insane. This was the most joyful show of the year. I laughed. I've never hated a TV character more than John Paul in this. I think Class Bank does an incredible job of making this, on the surface, seemingly okay bloke, one of the most hateful people I've ever seen on TV. It is a marvel how they do it. It's all this passive-aggressive, just little looks, little comments, standing in the way, making life hard for people, but nothing you can definitively say, you know get in because of this you know it just undermines all of the garvey sisters at every turn the whole dynamic between them all the fact that sharon Hawkins ava is sort of a um surrogate mum to them all having lost the parents everything about this work there is not a dull piece of casting there is not a dull storyline that is not a character that doesn't feel fully formed and real and of the world even the insurance salesmen who are trying to undermine and catch these Garvey sisters out who we have come to love very quickly, even they, you understand their dynamic and their reasons for not wanting to pay out on this loan. And even my, my thing about flashbacks works brilliantly. You learn more and more as you go along. I think the whole dynamic is wonderful. Eve Hewson, who I've always loved since the Nick all those years ago, and she just shines here. Eva Birthwistle, uh, Sarah Green as BB, Sharon Horgan herself. Anne-Marie Duff plays it brilliantly as John Paul's wife, who is sort of downtrodden by life with him, but also trying her best to sort of make the life that she wants with her and her daughter. I just found this such an enjoyable watch. I really look forward to my Friday with these people. I appreciated the fact there was 10 episodes. They could really tell a thoughtful story within those hours. I don't think there was a dull plot line. 
I think anybody, anybody who watched Bad Sisters, that first episode, would be immediately hooked. I don't know anybody that would see that and go, I don't want to watch more. I'm not that interested. Because that world, that family dynamic, those sisters, it it just invited you to want to spend more and more time with them. It was a real treat every Friday t- to uh, to turn on uh, Bad Sisters. Uh, why? Wh- go on, step all over my points. Why didn't it make yours? Because this is one of the best things I've seen I for a long really time. It's really bad now, but I, I am going to step on all those points that you've just made. To, right, I enjoyed it. Amory Duff, I thought, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the best, or oh, not the best characters, but the characters that I... I Warm to were actually the brothers, the the insurance investigators, the Claflin, 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 Claflin and Sons. Are you um, all right? You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I limited myself to one episode every night, so I didn't watch it in one okay. big chunk. Fair enough. I just found the structure of it like I I could see how it was being made, if that makes sense, because it was like every episode one of the other sisters would get involved in the plots to bring down John Paul. They'd come up with a way to try and kill him and it wouldn't work. You knew that he would not die until that final episode, which made every every attempt, oh, this isn't going to work. I don't think I did feel that, actually. I don't think I was watching it going, oh, well, obviously he's not... I don't think I thought that deeply about it, to be honest. No, well, BB as a character, after sort of her episode, quote-unquote was very much sidelined and I thought she was one of the most interesting characters in it. I thought almost by the end that uh, John Paul as a character was almost pantomime-ish to the oh, point no. that the the, um, the the domestic abuse stuff, which was done, re- and when we talked about it, I felt it was done really well. It almost diminished that to an extent. Anne-Marie Duff as the victim of domestic abuse, that was done really, really well. And I liked her relationship with the daughter and the sister's relationship with her daughter as well. Um, and all the stuff you mentioned, Eve Houston, I thought she was brilliant as Becca and mm-hmm. that sort of mother and daughter relationship. I felt 10 episodes was too long as well. There was that repetitive structure for me where it's like, we'll come up with this new plan you know, and it would be a plan that one of the sisters had come up with. And, and actually, I sort of guessed who had killed him in that first episode as well. I didn't know for sure, but something that happened, I'm like, well, that's probably who killed him. That's just me, and that's, I think, how maybe we watched it a bit differently. But this being like a whodunit, I think that it, a lot of the plot stuff... Spoil, again, maybe spoiled it a little bit for me, but there's individual bits that I did really like and I can understand and appreciate why you liked it, which is... Well, I can always do that with your picks as well. I mean, <laughs> if nothing else, we're quite good at that. Well, do our honourable mentions. I feel like there's a couple on here that I'd be interested to know what, what yours were. So, um, the one that almost made it in was The Tourist. Very inventive, but again, I don't think there was anything in it that I had that emotional reaction to. The Great yep. was another one. Like Severance, I felt had a dip in the middle before coming back and having some strong, you know, when Gillian Anderson came into it and then mm. the, the final episodes, I think 
that, that definitely had a dip in the middle where they knew how they wanted to start, they knew how they wanted to end, but mm. again, felt very repetitive in the middle. Better things. Mm-hmm. As ever with better things, some great bits in there, but maybe doesn't hang together as a whole a whole series. But yeah, th- there's been a lot this year and it has been a really strong year. And I, everything I've watched, I've enjoyed to some extent. So, so it was just very hard to put together our list. Mine would be, I already mentioned the dropout. I think uh, Albert Elementary is a little joy. I enjoy that. Second season is playing out in America now and I think it's better than the first and is a real pleasure to watch every week. Uh, Minx, my beloved Minx, uh, better things as well. And Borgen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, 988 provides 24-7 compassionate support and connection to trained counselors. When you call, text, or chat 988, you'll be quickly connected to trained counselors who will listen to your concerns, provide support, and connect you to additional resources if needed. There is hope. The lifeline works. You are not alone. For 24-7 support, just call, text, or chat 988. The first, the, the new season of Borgen. Didn't Borgen. get to Borgen, unfortunately. Oh, I think you'd have loved, well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know you at all anymore. But I think the old <laughs> Matt, I think the old Matt would have loved that. Is there anything else on the, you didn't get to it list that you think in retrospect you wish you had had time for like that? The only other thing is Pachinko. Pachinko. Oh, Pachinko. Those are the two Pachinko. that I don't think I've got to. I mean, the after party, I know you enjoyed. You know, I am going to run through all of those. But yeah, basically everything else I managed to get to. So Well um, done. If nothing else, well done, but sorry for some of the ones. Oh, and actually, one more thing. Um, I know we've discussed this already on Twitter, but the patient I, I did enjoy yes, as well. Yes, 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 very much so. So what is number one on the contributors list? And we know what number one is your, your is, so why don't you talk well, about Well, your me? number one is the contributors number one. Okay. Yeah, mine's the uh, bear, and yeah. I, again, like how everything Luke said, I think I had to put this at number one because this is the only thing that we've watched this year for the podcast that I've watched the entire season of before we talked about it. And I was just completely gripped by it. Like a lot of these shows, it's helped that it's like half an hour, 45 minutes. Mm. And I do like the fact that this year TV is saying we don't need to fit into a set time. I mean, obviously, if you're a BBC drama, you still have to fit into an hour. Episode 7, which we've talked about, Equally, if not more stressful than that I Hate Susie episode I talked about, was, what, 21 minutes, and then the the final was, like, 47 minutes. So I do like the fact that episode lengths are different now, and and people can do that more and more with the... It doesn't mean that you get any less for your money, if you you know what I mean. It almost makes it better. Yeah, because they're not having to, you know, stretch things out. And this... Just from beginning to end, you know, you are immersed in the world of this kitchen. You get to know even the the sort of the minor characters in this kitchen, and everyone gets their chance to shine. 
um, you know, it deals with themes of bereavement, themes of addiction, the last moment where they find some money injection for the restaurant. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. It's such a, even that didn't feel as contrived as it could have done because we've come to love these characters so much. You know, you're there, as you say, shafted hands and behind. And it was, for me, a perfect show. I couldn't really pick any holes in it. It was mainly unknowns in this. Mm, mm. I mean, I I know that um, Oliver Platt turned up a couple of times, but like everyone else in this, pretty much not a known name. That helped the authenticity of it is a word I've used a lot. And you can just buy that this is this kitchen. This is this guy coming from the world of fine dining back to his neighbourhood, getting some sort of snooty looks. And, you know, we don't do this here. This is what we do. And by the end of this first season, these disparate characters becoming a family in this kitchen. And I just hope that the the energy in this series isn't lost in season two. Now they've they've sort of overcome the adversities that they had. What is going to happen going forward? But I just like spending time with these characters. And I, I like watching them make food. That yeah. I really want to eat, but yeah, the bear. If you've not seen it, it is on. It's all on Disney Plus. Everyone I've recommended it to has absolutely loved it. That's why it's my number one. Yeah, um, number one on the contributors list. You said is the same as mine. Number one on my list purely because I'd never seen anything like it before. I couldn't get my head around it, but I just knew that I found it and its world. It eminently, <coughs> eminently fascinating. I tend to cough when I try big words. I shouldn't have gone with eminently. I should have just said really. Uh, eminently fascinating. It's of course severance. It feels otherworldly. It's really disconcerting and disorientating. And it's it. I can't think of another show that we've ever spoken about that has the atmosphere of this. It's it's such a fascinating idea that you could have your life and your work life completely separated. If a set of characters is interesting, and I think Mark, Dylan, Heli, Melchek, they were all interesting, and Irvin, of course, and Bert, they were all interesting. And if a world is fascinating, we don't know anything about this world at all. We don't know what the numbers mean, what the birds mean, what Lumen Industry does. Patricia Arquette is always an incredible screen presence and she is amazing in this. There are moments in that finale where I literally held my breath. I think it's one of the best finales to a a first season I've ever seen. And you just spend the whole time going, I have no idea what's happening, but I just want to know more. I want it to wash over me. The dance party was one of the most unnerving things I've ever seen on TV. It's the sort of thing you could I could go and watch tonight and just spot things that I didn't spot first time round. I feel like it's a very layered show and perhaps they are giving us more than we realise. We're just not clued in enough to know what to look for. Christopher Walken, John Turturro, uh, Adam Scott, Zach Cherry that you mentioned, Britt Lauer, just incredible. Yeah, in the time we've been doing the podcast, I don't think there's been a show in all those 11 years you could say, oh, Severance is a bit like, there's nothing. And although the cast for season two has got me salivating, I just hope that I haven't put all my eggs 
or, or whatever animal they were, whatever eggs in this basket for it to fall off a cliff and completely lo lose me if it goes really hyper real or, or deeper into the mechanics of the severance program and, and things because at the heart it's a real human story it's about you know adam scott's mark does it because he's grieving his wife who he lost so he's using that as a way to escape that grief during the work day because he wouldn't be able to function and we find out different things about each character we get glimpses of the people they really are yeah you know when you watch something you go that is the show of the year and you just you just you're hoping throughout that something's going to knock it off and things did come close but in terms of a week to week viewing experience and not having a clue what was going on but just being utterly immersed it just outshone the bear and uh, and bad sisters for me um, and you have the, I suppose you have the novelty of not being on the podcast every week this year as well so you did have that time to mm. I did. Sit back and watch. I would recommend it, things. Matt. I would recommend it. <laughs> I think I felt maybe alienated by some things in it. Maybe some of the oh. the the yeah. elements of it I almost found, you know, because it was so obtuse, because everyone was quite distant, oh. I didn't maybe get as much as I did until those last episodes that I did from these other shows on my list. That um, Fair enough. I put out earlier a uh, thing for people to tell us uh, you what did. they thought. With, what... Within my Twitter account, which was clever. Yeah, I well, know. Um, so we have got, these are the people that got back to us. I mean, I only put it up uh, a few hours ago. Yeah. Uh, Bortles Brad says the White Lotus. Well done, Brad. Annabelle, White Lotus Series 2 and The Bear are well some of her recent favourites. We've got some good followers. Um, Daryl Miller, who has been very supportive uh, for some time now, so thank you, Daryl. Has given us basically a top ten. Go on. <laughs> He's got Oz Ozarks, Severance, The Lazarus Project, Shining Girls, Dairy Girls, Paper Girls. So says. Oh my God! How was the, of the girls? Yeah. And uh, Slow Horses, The Great, and High School. Number ten, hitting it out the park, a league of their own. Number nine. No comment necessary. Heartstopper. Based out on Andor. Number seven. With an arrow. It's Sherwood. Number six. It's Dairy Girls. I haven't got a comment here. Or for number five. It's Better Call Saul. Number four. Hands behind. It's the bear. <laughs> That's terrifying when you say it. Number three. You'll be the death of me. It's Bad Sisters. At number two, don't get sick about it. This is going to hurt. And at number one, this was the one that was by and far, you know, the... the the oh, blow away wow. the, the list that coming in including yourself uh six people had this as their favorite 10 out of the 18 lists had it on there somewhere and it's severance so there you go
I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened and supported both the site and the podcast. But mainly, I'd like to thank Matt because, quite frankly, if we're up to me, the podcast may have fallen off a tiny cliff not to recover this year. And he has always been so dedicated and so into it. Nobody pays him a penny. Nobody forces him to do it. Nobody that you know of. Nobody asks him to do it. Nobody forces him to do it. It's just a passion project that he takes a lot of time over, spends a lot of his weekend doing, and I just feel so grateful because without you, I wouldn't have 75% of stuff on the site. And I mean that. I mean it a great deal, and I, I wouldn't just say it. I do mean it. So thank you very much. And also just listening to um, the party podcast that I urge you to listen to. It's great fun. I just want to thank Matt as well for that because if it wasn't for Matt, we wouldn't have this network of of dedicated, fun people who we can just call upon. Matt has kept the connection, kept asking people, kept asking people back on. He's got a great rapport with everybody. So thank you very much for all your hard work this year. It means an awful lot. And uh, I'm so pleased that you still get a lot of pleasure and enjoyment now doing it. So thank you. Thank you, Luke, for allowing me to, and and editing everything. (laughs) I would like to thank the following people, most of whom you've heard on the podcast, Mm. some of whom, um, but these are the other 16 people who sent their lists in, and I will will say their names and their number one. So uh, Will Barber-Taylor, the dropout from him, uh, Amy Beth, who had Severance as her number one, Megan had A League of Their Own as her number one, Michael had Bad Sisters as his number one. Tyler had Severance as his number one. Uh, Elaine had Bad Sisters as her number one. Sophie had Severance as her number one. Moas, we mentioned, had Hacks. Erin had Severance. Sucky had Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Milo had Irma Vep, which is something I, <laughs> I didn't watch. Sarah had Severance. Dawn had Juliet as her number one. Eamon had Derry Girls. Hannah had the bear and Nick had this is going to hurt. Also, thank you to um, other podcast contributors who haven't sent a list in. I think, oh yeah, Gary and also Sai, who um, Mm -hmm. very kindly has uh, contributed several times this year. And I'm sure there are a few more website contributors as well. So, But thank you to everyone who takes their time, as Luke says. They take time mainly out of their weekends uh, to, to do this and to or to write for the site it is all very much appreciated and if you are listening to this if this is the first podcast that you've listened to of ours and you'd like to share your opinions on TV uh, you can get in touch uh, with us via our Twitters you can send us a DM at the moment I am at Matt's TV Bites Luke at Luke Custer TV podcast is at Custer TV Pod and you can email us Custer TV Reviews at gmail.com and I think Luke you have sort of fostered this environment this sort of community of, of like-minded people as you can see uh, but there's been so many different picks this year as well everyone's slightly different in their own sort of quirky ways and I think we've got a good balance of people who write for the site and contribute to the podcast and I think yeah if you'd like to get involved in either way then then please get in touch with us. Um, thank you so much if you've listened, if you contributed, if you've done anything that has hired or lowered our profile this year. We appreciate it. Uh, People we'll be... have slagged us off in the streets. Yeah. We'll be back next year to discuss more 
of the best uh, of the best of the worst i suppose on the box it's a nice mixture please subscribe and let your friends know we exist and that'll be it for us in 2023 take care and goodbye rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.